When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply silver ratio or more specifically why is a gold silver gold to silver ratio so high i mean this is something i've talked about extensively on the past on my channel about why i believe the ratio is elevated meaning that gold is uh, i guess overvalued relative to silver um, i also talk about how i think both metals are undervalued as a whole and therefore i think silver has a much greater uh, potential for for a move up in price not to say that that's the only reason we should be investing in gold and silver that's another big takeaway here is that that's not why i'm in gold and silver primarily i mean for me it's a savings account and it's a it's a hedge um, it is an investment as well i do think that that both metals have a good chance and silver in particular have a good chance of moving up significantly uh, but that's not why i'm on, i'm in silver um, i mean that's that's why a lot of people get into precious metals uh, but but getting into it solely uh, on the basis of expecting some sort of a, a shot to the moon, a uh, huge move up, um, oftentimes leaves, pe leaves people uh, dissatisfied. Uh, it doesn't move up within six months or a year of them getting into the market. They get upset and they sell. And, and then they, you know, we have to deal with those people in the YouTube comment sections, uh, you know, trashing metals, trashing uh, people that, that talk about them. Uh, but no, I do talk about the gold to silver ratio quite a bit. And I've talked about it for quite a while about how I believe it's elevated and yet it has remained elevated. In fact, we had new 20 year highs in the ratio earlier this year, it, longer than 20 year highs. You'd probably have to go back to the early nineties to find another time in which the gold to silver ratio was as high as it recently was. Uh, so I want to talk about why that's the case, why I believe that's the case here in this video and, and some long-term implications real quick before we get started, two things I want to make clear. First of all, none of this should be taken as an investment advice. Talking about gold versus silver and the ratio and where it's going to move. None of it should be taken as investment advice. Simply one man's opinion, one man's analysis. Second of all, I did mention at the beginning of this that I am on podcast platforms. So if you prefer to listen to me uh, through that rather than just YouTube, um, I encourage you to check me out over there. I'm, I'm on most major platforms that I know of. I mean, Android, Google, uh, you know, iOS or, or iTunes. Uh, you know, Pocket Cast and, and Spotify and, and many, many others that I'm probably forgetting. I mean, you can check me out over on those platforms. And, you know, some people prefer to just use that rather than solely going through YouTube. So uh, let's get into this, uh, this video, this podcast today and talk about why the gold to silver ratio is so high. So first of all, I want to put things in context for you. So again, I apologize to the podcast listeners because you don't have all these visuals, but you definitely don't need them uh, for this this uh, this talk today. Uh, but looking at this chart here, as you can see, the current gold to silver ratio is very high over the last 20 years. Um, in fact, earlier this year, within the last six months of me recording this, I don't know when this was, August, September, October, somewhere in that time span, Actually, the gold to silver ratio hit a new 20 plus year high of 
like 86.37. That's what Kitco at least puts it at kitco.com, um, which is incredibly high in my opinion. Uh, since then, it has come down somewhat, but it still remains above 80 to 1. Putting this in context, the in the last 20 years, the low was in 2011 for the ratio. That was when silver made its huge run up to you know, right around $50. Um, other than that, the other high has been, you know, around that 83, 84 to one ratio. Now, looking at the long term, the post 66, post 1966 year high of, of around uh, the, the, the high for that time period, post 1966 was 101 in 1991. Um, and then the lows uh, post 1966, that's a key date that I'll be talking about here in a second was in the late 60s as well as in 1979, 1980. That was the big move up in silver back then. Uh, move up for gold as well, but um, a disproportionate move up for silver. Now, 1966, that's the reason that's a key date, um, and I totally skipped under that slide there. Uh, but the reason that that is a key date is because prior to that, the U.S. government um, would would set or cap prices of, of precious metals. Uh, now, now, Later on in this, this talk, we'll be talking about manipulation in the precious metals market. Um, but that was very blatant. You know, they, they'd cap the price of silver at such and such or whatever, you know. Um, and, and they stopped that in the late 60s. Um, in fact, capping the price of silver, for example, is something that they did after uh, demonetizing silver, basically removing it from the uh, U.S. currency. That's why so many people uh, buy and continue to buy 64 and prior uh, U.S. coinage dimes. Uh, quarters, half dollars, dollars, and, and then uh, nickels during part of World War II uh, because they, they contained silver in them. Of course, that wasn't the case afterwards. And then it was the early 70s in which the U.S. Uh, took the the um, dollar officially off the gold standard, uh, leaving it sole, uh, solely a, a fiat currency. And of course, much of the world had already done so or followed suit. So um, we, we have to kind of talk in terms after that. I mean, Prior to that, there were other times, you know, uh, back in Roman times, the the ratio of gold and silver was at times uh, things like 17.5 to 1. The U.S. government uh, in the past had set it to 15 to 1. Um, now, I get that as an argument for the ratio being too high right now, but you also have to understand that that's, that's inorganic. That's not an organic market, um, and that's not what we want uh, for the reason to be silver uh, being to go up in price higher than gold or, or for the ratio to come down. Uh, we don't want it to be because we have some sort of central entity um, controlling the price. Net price. Now, I understand if we, we put in some sort of bimetallic standard, gold to silver, uh, gold or silver or both uh, backed currency, I understand that maybe something like that would be necessary, but it's uh, it's hardly ideal, I guess. We, we prefer for the market to kind of realize that on its own. So, Getting into why why the gold and silver ratio is so high, I want to give you guys a couple reasons here. First of all, I think the uh, I don't think so. I, I know so that the silver market tends to be a more volatile market. This is something actually that you will hear uh, Lewis over from Small Gold talk about quite a bit as well for for a reason to why, why many people choose silver as investment, especially when the price is low as it is and the ratio is as high as it is, because it tends to be a more volatile market. And you can see that in this chart right here from TradingView. Uh, this is going back to the early 2000s. You know, this is around the lows back then. 
And as you can see, now this percentage, I checked the numbers. I'm not sure how to scale it is. Maybe it's accurate, maybe not. Um, and I could be totally off. Maybe maybe it's totally to scale. Um, but anyways, silver has has moved up more than gold. It's also moved down more than gold. And what, what I mean by that is you can see the peaks here in, in what, 2006 roughly. Silver had a much larger percentage gain than gold did. Same thing goes for, what, early 2008 here. But then in late 2008 and, and eventually early 2009, you can see that silver moves down much more than gold. And then again, moving up to uh, the, the highs in 2011, silver massively outpaces gold. And yet since then, you have another peak here where it outpaced gold. Since then, silver has underperformed gold. Gold has outperformed silver. And that's part of the reason that the ratio has come down so much since its lows, 20 year lows in, come down, come up, I should say. The ratio has moved up. Silver's come down since, you know, roughly 2011. It's a more volatile market. It's a smaller market. I mean, think about it. The, the yearly uh, supply of silver coming onto the market, you know, it's roughly, for rounding purposes, we'll say a billion ounces. Well, multiply it by the current price of silver, 15 something. So it's like a $15 billion market. That's a relatively small market that can be moved easily, especially in, in speculative trading. Uh, it's also something that can go down much more easily. Gold can be viewed, I think, uh, and again, don't take this as any of this as an investment advice. We'll be covering this more later in this video, but uh, gold can be viewed as maybe a more stable. Uh, it's, it's not gonna move up as much, but it might not move down as much either. And part of that just has to do with, with who owns it, who buys it, et cetera. Um, and that kind of brings us into the next uh, reason for why the gold to silver ratio is so high. Let's have a conversation about who's buying and who is owning silver and gold. Okay, so I have four very general categories here. Stackers, larger investors, central banks, governments, industrial demand. So I wanna start off actually with industrial demand. Now, this would in theory be a reason for why silver should be valued more because its industrial demand is far, far greater than that of gold. But I think for that reason, you know, you, you could make some arguments for why that might be right, why silver remains a little bit lower. First of all, uh, because it's used for industrial demand, there is a lot of silver that is mined each year. And a lot of that is mined as a byproduct in, it, in the 70% range, right? Uh, it's mined at, at primarily lead, zinc, copper, and gold mines as a byproduct. Um, and I think that's just been a common practice on a lot of these mines to also extract uh, silver from that ore. And I think that adds quite a bit to the the supply. And it also uh, is, is somewhat necessary because silver is necessary in so many of today's modern uh, uh, products, electronics, and, and so many other products. And so you need that extra supply coming from somewhere. Um, this isn't a super strong argument for why silver is, is so low, but it's one thing to consider is, is basically that, hey, some producers want the price so price low, some, some manufacturers, and so that's part of it. And also that you have a large amount of, of byproduct uh, supply coming onto the market. That It's part of the picture. I don't think that's a big piece of the explanation, but it's something to consider. Um, other than that, who's buying? So I want to talk about stackers here. Stackers, I think, uh, for a while there were a huge source of demand for silver. Stackers, I'm talking about the average person that is buying physical precious metals and storing it um, 
in more or less their own possession. They're not using something like a custodian account. They're not using a, a, a exchange traded product like SLV or GLD. And they're not like a central bank or government. Uh, they, they stack gold, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the individual more or less. Silver benefited quite a bit from stackers uh, following the Great Recession. A huge influx of demand into the silver market. Gold side as well, but not quite to the same extent. Maybe because silver was, was viewed as cheap, it had a lower price entry point, who knows? But a huge influx in demand in the silver market following uh, you know, the 2008 downturn. And you saw a large amount of, of physical demand due to US stackers during that time period, 2009, 10, 11, 12, really peaking out around 2015, 2016. Now, actually the price was pretty low during that time and that might have been the reason why people could buy so much silver. Um, and, and you saw the ratio remain elevated during that time span. But I do think that that the surprise demand in the silver market, especially 2009, 2010, 11, could have been part of the reason that silver moved up so much uh, during that time span and the ratio came down so much. Sackers are a big piece, uh, especially back then, were a big piece of, of the, the demand picture. However, that demand has fallen off somewhat. Um, now, now, talking about larger investors, institutional investors and whatnot. Um, I, I think it's, it's it's a common misconception that the only big investor that silver has out there is JP Morgan. And it's true that JP Morgan is a huge buyer of silver, at least, you know, officially according to their COMEX, uh, you know, filings and whatnot, it's, it's, you know, upwards of 130, 140 million ounces, right? Uh, out of a billion ounces that are you know, yearly come onto the market. That's a pretty sizable stack, I would say, by JP Morgan. But as far as large investors go, you know, if you look at other large banks, there's not a whole lot of ones that, that really pop out as, as accumulators of metals. But if you look at other large investors, such as those that hold it in vaults, custodian accounts, um, there is a large amount that has been stacked essentially in vaults, uh, both silver and gold, uh, over the last 10 years. Um, and so that has to be taken into account for, for silver as well. A, large, a lot of large investors through those means. However, you know, I think a big part of why the gold has, has maybe benefited more from this whole demand picture than silver has, has been because of the buying by central banks and governments. Now, obviously you have uh, things like a GLD or SLV, you know, officially stacking gold now who knows if they actually are, are backing that etp by the metal or not you have stackers buying gold you have people buying gold and putting it in vaults and whatnot but central banks and governments cannot be ignored as a major buyer of gold and this hasn't always been the case in fact you know when you look big picture for a long time you had central banks and whatnot offloading quite a bit of gold selling it out of the market now Truth be told, up to the early 2000s, you had them offloading a lot of silver as well. And I think that was part of the reason that the ratio remained so high. If we're looking over the last 40 years or 50 years, because central banks got rid of a lot of silver and not so much with gold. But they were selling gold uh, in the early 2000s, but they have been buying a ton of gold in the last, you know, roughly, what, 10 years. I don't know exactly when China, when the Russian uh, central bank began really stacking gold again. Um, but those two countries in particular have been major buyers of gold. And, and it's not just them, governments as a whole. 
I mean, again, Lewis from Small Gold estimates that that Chinese government owns something like 20,000 tons of gold, um, which is which is far, far more than what they officially state they own through the uh, People's Bank of, of China. I mean, that is on par with even larger, I think, than what the U.S. government uh, officially says they have in, in, in Fort Knox and whatnot, our gold reserves. You know, that's a massive amount of gold. Uh, basically, what they've been doing is that a, they've been domestically producing quite a bit of gold through through mines. Um, B, they've been importing a ton of gold through the Shanghai Gold Exchange. And that gold is basically staying within their borders. Now, some has to be used in, in industrial production and whatnot, but we know that gold, that's, that's not a huge source of demand for gold. So basically, it's remaining within China's borders. They're stacking a ton of gold at the government at the central bank level. Russia has been doing the same. And, and of course, they're not alone. I mean, what is it? Uh, I forget if it's if it's Kyrgyzstan or Kazakhstan. Um, they've been stacking quite a bit of gold. A uh, similar picture to, to China or to Russia. They they produce it domestically and they just keep it within their borders, maybe because they think it's too valuable to, to get rid of. And then you're seeing some other smaller countries also talk about how they're they're buying gold. I think it was Belgium that recently announced they were, or I forget, you know, one of those European nations um, buying some gold. Uh, maybe it's Poland. Um, so central banks and governments, I think, are a big part of why this gold to silver ratio remains uh, somewhat high, and 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 why they uh, why gold had maybe been more stable over the last 10 years because they've been buying so much. Whereas the investment picture, picture for silver has been a little bit choppier, right? You have stackers that came into the market and are not as nearly of a large source of demand today. You have JP Morgan, which today is not nearly as large of a source of demand. They, their, their accumulation period seems to uh, maybe be coming to an end or at least be taking somewhat of a pause because they, they're just not stacked as much as they were you know, post 2011 through, through 2015, 16. Um, and, and so I think that's part of the reason that, that oftentimes gets ignored, just how much uh, uh, central banks are buying. And, and also this is something I've talked about in the past for silver, why silver seems to be so undervalued over the long term is that if you do look at the, the ratio going back to, I guess, post-1966, maybe post-1970, it does seem somewhat high compared to what a lot of us uh, silver stackers talk about, you know, 10 to 1, 15 to 1, 30 to 1 ratio. And I do think that part of that is also, again, central banks. We're talking billions and billions of ounces that were owned by various central banks and governments that were that no longer exist. I mean, central banks, governments, as far as we know, don't really stack silver and gold much. Now, maybe the, the Russian government does to some extent, you know, the U.S. mint keeps some silver in hand and other countries keep some silver in hand, but it is a small, small fraction of what they used to own. Very small fraction. They got rid of it. They dumped it on the market. I think that was a big part of the, uh, of a price suppression, maybe a scheme. Maybe it was inadvertent either way. I think that did suppress the price of silver so much because so much supply coming onto the market. So who's buying? I think that's been a big part of that as well. Um, and it's a big part of why when I say, you know, I think silver has a much larger potential. It's because when those stackers really come into the market again, or, or maybe even newfound stackers, people that previously were in the stock market to a, to a great extent and suddenly are kind of seeing the light when it comes to precious metals, larger investors, you know, the Warren Buffett types buying physical metals and holding them for the long term. Um, 
when when they come into the silver market i think they can have a much greater potential to move it because it's a far far smaller market than the gold market now this is the final one i want to talk about the reason for for why i think the gold to silver ratio is what i would call you know out of whack the m word and of course i'm talking about uh manipulation manipulation in the markets i want to make one thing clear manipulation goes both ways it has over the last 10 years gone both ways for silver the price of silver was manipulated on the way up and it's been manipulated on the way down now this this whole idea of manipulation it, it happens in both markets silver and gold but you have to understand that again the silver market is much much smaller and therefore much easier to manipulate the other thing that you have to understand is also the, the whole JP Morgan side of this story, namely that JP Morgan has been stacking a lot of silver during a large down time for silver. I mean, we're, we're talking 2011, 2012, when they opened their COMEX vault and they've been accumulating since then, you know, and, and this whole idea of manipulation, you know, back in the day, maybe it was considered a conspiracy theory, but there have been cases after cases of just blatant evidence of manipulation of these precious metals markets by large banks, whether it's Deutsche Bank, HSBC, uh, 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 obviously JP Morgan, and many, many others, um, high-level traders and bankers uh, manipulating the market, blatantly manipulating the market. This is no longer a conspiracy theory. I mean, this is fact. It's, it's just the question of to what extent and how long will it go on for and how long has it been going on for. Um, but like I said, manipulation of both markets occur. I just think that it's easier to manipulate the silver market than it is the gold because uh, it is a far, far smaller market. But make no mistake, both markets uh, manipulation occurs. But if you can force down the price of silver easier than gold, then then the price is going to move down more and, and the ratio is going to rise. So that's the final one I want to talk about for the reasons. Um, finally, I want to talk about the long, uh, the long term implications. Uh, again, not only taking it as investment advice, but in my opinion, a bright future for both metals. I, like I said earlier, I think they're both undervalued. With that being said, the ratio remains historically high. 80 83 84 to 1 that remains uh high in my opinion and that's something that i think eventually will come down it's a question of just how far is it going to be like a 70 60 to 1 type of move or is it going to be 50 40 30 to 1 something like that um, i think the latter is possible eventually it just it, it could drop to 60 and then move back up to 80 to 1 before it eventually makes a much larger move down to 50 40 30 something like that um, the other thing is that, you know, there's potential for an overshoot of whatever the mean should be, whether the mean should be uh, 50 to 1, 40, 30, 20, 10, whatever it is. Um, I think that there's that, that, that when silver moves into a very speculative market, becomes a very attractive speculative asset, that it can overshoot whatever that mean is supposed to be. And so, I mean, that's another reason to see silver as potential speculative investment beyond just a hedge, beyond just a, a form of savings or something like that. Uh, so let's say the mean is supposed to be 50 to one, you know, that, that means that uh, silver can be, become overvalued relative to gold. And, and so this also, you know, for those of you that like gold um, over the long term, I think opportunities will be had to convert your silver to gold at a very uh, attractive ratio when compared to, you know, the last 20 years or something like that. But um, 
as, as, as you can see here, based on past performance, silver may have a larger percentage gain in the next bull market. Also means maybe in the next bear market or whatever ends up happening. Maybe, maybe they remain elevated. Maybe they come back down, um, but, but they may lose more. Gold may offer more stability over the long term. Silver has larger gains and maybe more losses. Um, but the big takeaway here, both metals appear undervalued when worldwide debt and currency debasement is taken into consideration. I, I, in the investment world, there's hardly a thing as a sure thing. But silver and gold, um, again, my own opinion, look very attractive when you, when you take into account things like the U.S. deficit spiraling out of control as we speak. When you take into account things like constant inflation, the Fed tightening monetary policy setting themselves up for a massive reversal in monetary policy eventually, all of those things um, I think uh, make make for a very bright future for both metals. So that's the big takeaway here. You know, if you have any questions on this video, please leave them down below. If you enjoyed this video, let me know down below in the comment section. Leave a comment or whatever it is. This will be my last video of 2018, my last podcast. So I want to thank you guys all for a, a great year. A uh, I, I really can't thank you guys enough. As I always say, you know, if you want to help my channel out, the number one thing you can do is what you've already done, and that is watch this video or listen to this podcast. I mean, I really can't ask a whole lot more of you guys. So thank you guys all for that. You know, tomorrow morning, uh, of course, this is going to be totally outdated if you're watching this in the future, but tomorrow morning, look forward to a live stream, uh, New Year's Day live stream. Hopefully, some, I'll catch some of you guys off of work and, and we can have a good chat there. But as always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video and God bless.